We're in part two of a series called Holy Habits. How many of you were here last week? If you were here last week or got to hear it. So a number of y'all were not here. So I'm going to catch you up to last week's message. We'll jump back into last week's message. I'll give you a little bit of a sneak peek of that. And then we're going to dive right into week two. So really, we started the whole series off with this idea that all of us have hopes. All of us have hopes for change. This really series is around change, transformation in our life, starting a new year. There's many areas of our life that we think about that we would love to see change in. Maybe it's areas in your relationships. Maybe it's your walk with the Lord. Man, I just, I want to love God more in 2024. Man, I want, I want to have a better marriage or I want to get married or man, I want to, I want to have a kid or I, there's things that we want to see happen in 2024 that we really hope for. And hope is good. Come on, everybody say that. Say hope is good. I don't want you to live without hope. And the moment you start living without hope is not a good day. Hope is good. But here's the idea behind this, though, is that hope won't change your life, but habits will. Hope alone is not enough. Hope alone not enough. You need some habits. You need some things in your life that help move you forward. You can hope to lose weight all day long. But listen, if Popeye's keeps calling, it ain't happening. Come on, we're in king cake season right now. Anybody got, like my wife made me go to Market Basket yesterday to get a king cake, all right? And we got to eat it before tonight because the fast starts tomorrow. So I'm on a mission, somebody, okay? Like I'm on a mission. But we, it, it's, it's the hopes that we have from really small things to really big things in our life. But if you really want to see change happen, it's got to be more than just hope. You got to have some habits. You got to have some things that you build into your life that really help you in your walk with Lord. Last week, we also said this, and, and, and this kind of piggybacks on that, and that is this. Here's just another way to say it. If you want to change your life, you have to change your habits. Write that down. Write that down. If you want to change your life, you got to change your habits. But we took it one step further, and last week, the whole message was built around this idea, though, is that if you want to change your habits... You got to let God change your heart. You got to let God change your heart. It starts on an inward thing. If we want change, it's not an external change we need. Here's the truth. We all need an internal change. And if God can get after our heart, if God can change this, don't worry. He can change everything else. So we've got to start there. And that's where we started last week. We started about this idea of, of how does God really change our hearts? And we looked at that some people have the idea that it's, that it's God, then me. God saves me, but then I got to do all of the work. I got to do everything to change myself. We said, no, that's not right. And then we said, no, 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 you know what? It's not me. It's really, it's just God, not me. Like, it's, it's really nothing about me. It's all God. Everything's on God. If I'm going to see any change in my life, it's got to be all God. And that's not necessarily right either. And so we looked at what Scripture says. And Scripture says that God will give you both the desire and the power to change. We saw the Scripture yesterday. That God is working in you, both to give you desire and power. And so we said this, it's not God, not me, it's not God, then me. It's God in me and, and through me. God in me and through me, that his grace is all we need. His grace helps change us. His grace not only saves us, his grace changes us. And so we need the grace of God. We need to understand who we are in Christ and let him do a deep work. And we work in partnership with him. So that was, that was really all of last week's message. I want to start today off with another saying, and these are, I'm, I'll, I'll have these throughout the series, will kind of give us something to rally around. I think it's always important when it comes to messages that we've got some really big thought, really big idea that we can come back to. So maybe today when somebody asks you, like, how was church? You can tell them this right here. And here's the thought. If you do little things like they're big things, God can do big things like it's little things. If you will do little things like it's a big thing, God will do the big things like it's the little things. Today, we're going to look at one of, I think, is probably the top three Bible stories in all of Scripture. Many of us know, if, I mean, if, we, were, if we were to rattle off what the most famous stories in Scripture, many of us would probably say, David and Goliath, Right? We would probably say maybe Jonah and the well. And I think right up there, number three would be Daniel and the lion's den. 
Daniel in the lion's den. How many, how many went to Sunday school or something back in the day, did they Daniel with the flannel graph? Anybody remember the flannel graph? We're a little more technological now, but we had the flannel graph days. We're going to look at Daniel in the lion's den, and I want to show you something today, a little bit about him, and we're going to unpack what I believe is the one holy habit that he had in his life that made him the man of God that he was. Now, if you know the story of Daniel, I don't have time to unpack this. Actually, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before, I did a whole series on the book of Daniel called Exiles. You can go and, and watch it on YouTube. We, we unpacked all of Daniel. But Daniel was a Jewish boy. The Jewish people got, they were, they got captive, captive by the Babylonians. They came in and raided their cities, grabbed all of their people, brought them to Babylon, and they served underneath a very, very ungodly um, culture. The Babylonians were just incredibly godless culture. So you've got godly people who now got, who were, who were ransomed and captive into an ungodly culture, and now they're trying to learn how do you live as a godly person in an ungodly culture? How many know that's today? <laughs> how do you live as a godly leader, godly person? And so they, what they did, if you go read Daniel chapter 1 and chapter 2, they, they selected the top kind of Jewish boys. They got the young boys. And their goal was, let's take, the, let's take the, the kind of outstanding young Jewish boys, bring them into our Babylonian education, into our Babylonian world. We're going to give them new names, all of those things, which, by the way, that's what culture tries to do, which is why we need to pray for the next generation, because Satan ain't going after the old people. He's going after the young ones. Because if he can get the young ones and get them indoctrinated into worldly values, how I many you know he's got us? I'm telling you, Daniel speaks even to where we are today. So he gets Daniel, they get Daniel and a couple of his buddies. And scripture says in Daniel chapter one that Daniel was above all of them. Daniel had, it, it, there was something just uniquely different about him. He loved God. And, and he served in the Babylonian empire literally until his last days. What we're about to read in Daniel chapter six, he is now 85 years old. He's been a part of the Babylonian empire for seven decades, from a teenager all the way into his 80s. And you're going to find out real quickly that Daniel still loves God, even in his 80s. And we're going to look at a, a passage of scripture. There's been a number of different kings. Uh, there's now a king who is now ruling over Babylon. His name is Darius. And it says this. Let's catch up with the story. Verse 1 of chapter 6. It says, Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps. Come on, I love that, satraps. That's cool, that's cool. I, we're not gonna call them managers anymore. They're gonna be satraps. Uh, how many of y'all would like that by your name on your like, business card? He, he did 120 satraps over the kingdom stationed throughout the realm, and over those 120 satraps, he's got three administrators, including Daniel. And these satraps would be accountable to them so that the king would not be defrauded. Now watch what scripture says about Daniel. Remember, he's in his 80s now, and it says that Daniel distinguished himself. I think this is so huge for us to just stop and, and think about this for a moment. This is kind of one of my favorite verses when I even think about leadership, when I think about a person in leadership or an influence, is that you have the ability and I have the ability to distinguish ourselves from the rest, that you've got a choice that of course God works in you and God works through you, but you also get to partner with what God's doing to distinguish yourself amongst all of your peers. And he distinguished himself to the point that he was above the administrators and the satraps because he had, everybody help me with this, he had a what? He had an extraordinary spirit. If you've got a Bible or something, underline that, highlight that. That's so huge because this, this book is, is unpacking to us something that's so unique about this guy named Daniel. He distinguished himself, but he had an extraordinary spirit. There was something about him that was extraordinary. And I think for all of us that work in different professions, whether you're a teacher or you're in politics, you're in the medical field, you're in the oil field, and no matter what world you're in, whether you're in a first responder, or police, or you are maybe even at home as a, as a homemaker, that God can, can work with you to have an extraordinary spirit that distinguishes you amongst all the other. 
And I love this because this is a man of God that's been pursuing God, and he's living in one of the most ungodly cultures. And yet, he's a man of God that is being highlighted and elevated above everybody else. Come on, how many know God desires for his people to rise above everybody else? Not in superiority, not in superiority, but in influence. And let me tell you, I pray, I pray, I pray that every single person in here, in whatever industry of work that you are in, that you work in such a way that there's such an extraordinary spirit about you that you rise above everybody else. That people look at you and go, there's something different about the way not only this person lives and what they say, but the way they work. David, or Daniel, had, a, had an extraordinary spirit and it was so extraordinary that the king planned to set him over everything. So yeah, there were three administrators, but he was even gonna be over all of them. So think about this, ungodly nation that's about to be led by a godly man. Talk about the favor of God, the favor of God. Now watch, and so it goes on and it says this, because this is when this happens, this is so important for you to understand this, that when God starts elevating you, how I many know oh, not everybody likes that? Not everybody's your biggest cheerleader. Some people get either jealous because they wish it was them, or some people are just straight up critical at all times. And so, of course, all of the other satraps and the administrators go, uh-uh, we ain't having this. Let's figure out a way to cancel him. And so they do like what every political person does. Let's dig some dirt. We're going to find some dirt on this guy. And you're going to see this, by the way, if you haven't seen this already, this plays out all the time in our own politics and in different ways. We're in 2024. You're about to get a double dose of it. We've got a presidential election coming up. And this is how this plays out, right? Let's see every single thing we can find that's bad about this person and bring it to light. Let's uncover every scam. Let's uncover everything. And by the way, things that are, that are in the dark, that are bad, they should come to light. But... I want you to hear me very closely. They did this. They sent the private investigators. They sent everybody in on Daniel. And I want you to see what happens. It says, then the other administrators and high officials began searching for the fault in, in the way of Daniel was handling his government affairs. But they, everybody help me, but they, they couldn't find anything to criticize or to condemn him because, let's list these out, because he was faithful, he was always responsible, and he was completely trustworthy. You know what that's called? Character, integrity, faithful, always responsible. And it says, so they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel would be in connection with the rules of his religion. We can't find any dirt on him. He hasn't done anything that we can see. So what we're going to need to do is we're going to need to figure out a way to get him to break his own religious rules that he has for his own life. They knew he sought after God. So they come up with a scheme. I'm going to fast forward it. I'll just tell you kind of how it plays out. So they come up with a scheme. They go before King Darius and say, hey, hey, King D, listen, um, we, we, we got an idea. We got an idea. We think that this month should be King D month. I mean, like this month. Like everything needs to be about you this month. So we think you should issue a 30-day decree, just 30 days. And for the next 30 days, we're going to make sure that all praise, all honor, all prayers, like nobody prays to any other, other, other gods, nobody goes and honors any other people, everything goes to you, King Darius. What do you think about it? Now, let me ask you. Somebody came to you and like, hey, it's all about you for 30 days. What would you say? If your wife came to you and go, it's all you, all month, baby. Nothing about me. It's all about you. You'd be like, no, Lord, uh, you know, less, no, less of me, more of you. You'd be like, sounds good. I like it. Where do I sign? They duped him into signing a decree. And oh, by the way, we just think maybe just, you know, just to make sure that people know we're pretty serious. If anybody does not honor you and pray to you, let's just throw them in the lion's den. That'd be cool, huh? It's like fine letter, fine print. So he signs it. And what we're about to see in just a minute, what I'll read, is what I believe is the holy habit that made Daniel a faithful, always responsible, 
man of extraordinary spirit, and it's one holy habit, one that we see. He did many different things, but there's one that we see we can track through most of the book of Daniel and even beyond Daniel chapter 6 that we see that was so a part of who he was. And I'm just going to tell you right now, right out the gate, my desire is that this holy habit gets so ingrained in us. It already is in many of us, but I pray that for all of us, this becomes something that is so a part of our life. Look what verse 10 says, and we're going to look at it. See if you can notice what it was. In verse 10, when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, so he hears the rumors of it, it's official. The law has now been put in place. Guess what he does? He goes what? He goes home, and he? That is the huge part right there. Knelt down as usual, as usual. In his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem, and he prayed. Come on, everybody help me. And he prayed. Just as he, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Giving thanks to his God. And next verse, it goes on and it says this. It says, then the officials went together to Daniel's house and they found him praying and and asking God for help. All right, here we go. Here's the holy habit. Ready? Uh, We say this often and I will never get tired of saying this, but I'm going to keep saying this because I believe it's got to be a holy habit. Our first holy habit we're going to talk about is that prayer must be our first response, not our last resort. Prayer has to be our first response and not our last resort. I am absolutely 100% convinced that the success of Daniel's life was based off of his prayer life. How do you stay faithful to God for over seven decades than if you did not have an incredibly intimate relationship with God? He had a massive relationship with God. And he did what we say all the time. And, And if you have one of these bracelets, you'll see we've got these bracelets that many of us wear, and uh, I've been wearing this for a long, long time. I never take this off. I shower with it. I eat with it. I mean, it's on all the time. And it says, pray first. And it is a reminder to me, and the reason why I do it is not just to model to you guys the importance of what I think having a bracelet like this is, but uh, it's a reminder to me that Before I do anything, before I'm about to step into anything, this is such a huge part of what I want to be the the ritual of my life, the habit of my life. Like before I'm about to go respond to that text, pray first. Before I'm about to comment on that Facebook post, pray first. Before I'm going to leave the house, I mean, I really should pray first. Before I'm about to tell my wife what I really think, Come on, somebody. Pray first, second, and third. Okay, like, like you pray multiple times, just like Daniel. <laughs> before I am, before I'm going to take that job, before I'm going to uproot my family to go somewhere, I'm going to pray first. I'm going to pray first. Before I say yes to that commitment, man, I'm going to pray first. Before I go make that big decision, before I go buy that, and get in debt? I'm just telling y'all right now, this one habit, if you would put it in place in your life, it would save you. It would save you some arguments. It would save you some poor decisions. It would save you in so many areas you don't even know. If you would just pause for a minute and go, hey, can I just pray first? Before I do, can I just... Hey, when I get the diagnosis and I get, before I get on WebMD to try to figure out what I'm going to do and I get on the phone or I get on Facebook to let everybody know how miserable my life is, like I'm going to pray first and I'm going to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want? How do you want me to handle this situation? What decision would, would most honor you in this? I mean, no, this is a game changer. If we can learn that prayer needs to be our first response and not our last resort. And if you notice, the very first thing Daniel does when he gets the news is he goes home. And he gets on his knees. And he opens the windows. And he prays. 
But he doesn't just pray first. He prays as usual. We'll dive into that a little bit more in just a minute, but I want to just pause here for a moment and say, this is why we are doing Seek Week. So this has been a a habit of our church for decades now. Y'all know like in like a couple weeks, we're going to be celebrating 24 years as a church. 24, y'all. Come on. We're young adults. We're young adults. And I, I can't even tell you how long it's been. It's been over two decades that we've spent January and August praying, specifically and corporately as a church family, to stop and pray. I cannot think of anything that we can, better we can do to start the new year than to pray first. We're going to take the first month and we're going to pray first for the other 11 months we're going to trust the Lord, and so we're, we're, we're doing Seek Week, so we've, we've got it in a one-week path. Uh, we used to do 21 days, um, but we've said, hey, let's shrink it down to seven days and be as intense as we possibly can. Found that 21 days, people were kind of trailing off at the end of it, so we said, let's go to seven, and then let's just get super intentional. And so we're, we're doing, of course, Seek Week, where we're going to do early morning prayer every single day. Starting tomorrow morning, 6.30 a.m., we'll be on Zoom, and, and uh, I'll lead tomorrow morning, and I'll lead us in a time of prayer as we go and we seek after God. And I know some of you are like, oh, man, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, I got a lot of things going on. Listen, just hop on and just put your audio on mute and put your camera on mute. Like, nobody wants to see you anyway, so just put your camera. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. Nobody wants to see me either. I would, if I didn't lead it, I probably wouldn't show myself. So you can do that. That's fine. But just jump in, let it play in your car. If you're going to work, like just, just join us as we go through this. And we'll do that Monday through Friday at 6.30. Then we'll do it at 9 o'clock. So we'll let you sleep in a little bit on Saturday. And then every night we'll do citywide prayer. We used to do prayer just right here in the building. And it's got its place and it's amazing. And man, last year God really started doing a massive burden for me to, to pray not just for our city and our church, but to pray for our cities and our churches and that we would be the light of the world and that this wasn't an OSC thing. How many know prayer is a church Christian disciple thing, not a OSC thing? And so what would it be to gather churches? And last January, we had 26 churches join us in six different cities to pray over our cities and all over the, all over the place. And so we'll, we'll be in Gaydon tomorrow night. We'll be in Lake Arthur on Tuesday night. We'll be in Fenton and in Welsh on Wednesday night. We'll be in Hathaway on Thursday night. And then we're going to be at the Jennings Elementary right across the street on Friday night. And I would love for you to come and make as many of these as you want to. Any of these that are around your city, what would it look like for us to pray over our cities with the people of our city to believe God for revival in our cities and say, you know what, nothing's going to change our city than the power of prayer for our city. Can I get an amen? So, any friends of yours that you have, any uh, city officials that you know, any leaders, any teachers, any people, man, gather them together. Use your social media platform. Use every influence you can. Text, call people. And I would love for us to see us pack out each of these venues to really pray. And then we're also doing a time of fasting. And I'll, I'll put this on the screen for you, just different types of fast that there are. And, uh, but I would love for you to just figure out and just pray. You can do this today. Just pray. Go, God, what kind of fast would you like me to do? There's a complete fast where you, like, you fast everything except liquids. And uh, maybe that's a fast for you. Please consult your doctor if you do that one. But uh, that's, that's one that we see in Scripture. A selective fast is where you are actually just eliminating certain elements out of your diet. And this is actually the Daniel fast, like Daniel fasted. And so if you've ever heard of the Daniel fast, his was a selective fast where he had certain foods that he did not eat. So um, that, that may be sugars, that may be desserts, that may be um, meat, that may be king cake, come on somebody. Uh, that may be, I don't know what that may be, but I think there's, he said, Dr. Pepper, I would like you to know right now, I have while we're on this topic that I have, I have highly, there is no Dr. Pepper in the belt house. Am I, am I, li- am I lying? Am I telling the truth? Telling the truth. Water. It's literally, and Lindsay's nasty drinks, but I don't drink those. So water, it's all I'm drinking right now. 
Thank you for the accountability though, Carrie. Appreciate it. Thank you for the accountability. I invite it. All right. Partial fast. This is where maybe you choose like, hey, I'm going to fast breakfast all this week. I'm going to fast lunch. I'm going to fast dinner. You're going to fast a certain part of the day. And then of course, what I always encourage on top of all these is what I would call a soul fast, which is where you, you fast social media, you fast technology, maybe turn off the TV, turn off the devices and just Get time with the Lord. Now, let everybody listen to me very closely. All of this is on our website, by the way. If you go to oscconnect.com slash seekweek, all of this is on there. You can go learn all this stuff for yourself and research it a whole lot more. we got resources and all that. But I want everybody to hear me. We do not fast. We do not fast because we're trying to earn something from God. God doesn't look at people and fast and go, oh, they really love me. We fast because what we're actually doing is feasting on God. I'm fasting from food, from social, so I can have more of them, not so I can earn something from him. I have everything I need from him already. I'm just trying to disconnect from the things that I don't need anymore so I can get more of him that I do need. Is everybody with me? Okay, so we're not, this isn't a, this isn't a, a, a ritual thing where, we're try, where we do this and then all of a sudden, like, God has to do something. No, we do this because I get more of God. That's why we do it. We pray to connect with God. We fast to disconnect from the world and connect with him in a big way. Now, let's talk about this holy habit of prayer. And I want to I dive just, we're going to get really practical on our last 25 minutes or so together. And I want us to answer this question. How do we make prayer a holy habit? If I was to, if I was to poll the room or those that are online, and I would ask you, how many believe in the power of prayer? I think we'd probably have 100%. Everybody, yeah, 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 yeah. How many believe that prayer works? Yeah, 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 yeah. How many of you need to pray more? Yeah, 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 yeah. How many of you think you're not that good at prayer? And I would think more people would probably raise their hand than we can imagine. And I think the reason for that is because we've got some misconceptions with prayer that it really should not be. And so I want to kind of, I want to unpack some of those, but I just really want to teach today how, and I want to look at the story of Daniel, and I want to unpack this just for a minute. So are y'all ready? Yes. Come on, are you ready? Yes. Okay, all right, so if you're taking some notes, um, I want you to write this first thing down. In order to understand how to make prayer a holy habit, you got to understand the purpose. You got to understand the purpose. Now, for many of us, if we were to, you know, unpack what we think the purpose of prayer is, we would think, well, the purpose of prayer is for me to let God know, you know, all the things that are going on in my life. I need to let him know. I need to, I need to give him the list of things that I have going on. Like, hey, you know, I'm, God, I just need you to save my uncle. He's going a little crazy. Like, save him. And God, I need, you, I need healing here. And God, I, I, need, I need money. And, and God, I, would, you, would you help my kids be sane? God, I need money. God, would you help my job? God, just remind you, I need some money. And God, I just... God, I need, I need this, and I need this, and, and we've got a list, and I want you to hear me very closely when it comes to prayer. Prayer, if you go and you present your requests, your, your things to the Lord, your list to the Lord, let me tell you what I believe the Lord does. I think if the purpose of prayer is only for a list, we've missed prayer. The purpose of prayer is not to bring our list to him. The purpose of prayer is to get more of him. Prayer is not about a list. It's about a person. Yeah. Now, listen to me. Everybody in here like, he tears my list? Like, <laughs> I think he tears it if it's first. Yeah. I don't think he has a problem with, with meeting the needs on the list. I just don't think it's the purpose of why we go to him. And when people treat God like a genie, or like Santa Claus, then I think that's the issue. It's because we think that God just does everything that's on my list. And God, I'll see you again when I got another emergency or I need something from you. Let me ask you, how would that play out if your kids only talk to you with a list? Hey, mom, dad, dad, I need this, I need this. Some of you are like, that's what they do right now. I know, listen, <laughs> I get it. And how does that make you feel? You're like, can we just talk? Like, can we just talk about something that's not just about you? Can we just, is there... Hey, mom, how's your day? Like, can we just maybe, like, 
Just think about the relationship that you have with your kids and what you would desire for them to have a relationship with you. And many of that is a, is a representative of how God desires a relationship with us, that we come to him because we just want to be with him, just because we want to connect with him, just because we want to love him, we want to receive his love and give love back to him. Like it's a communication. It's, one, it's not one way where I dial it in and go, okay, good. But it's a communication where prayer is not just me talking. How I many know it's also him talking? It's him connecting with me. It's him talking to me. And, and, and so when you look at the life of Daniel, I think the reason Daniel followed Jesus for over 70 years is because he was devoted to God. He had a devotion to God. Now, all of us are devoted to something, you know, and, and, and not all are bad. You know, I'm devoted to my spouse. Great. Hopefully you should be. I'm devoted to my job. Good. You should be. But many times our devotions go into many other things that trump our relationship with God. We're devoted to sports, or we're devoted to money, or we're devoted to just working, or we're devoted to these things. And I want you to hear me. Desire is good, but it's not enough. You need devotion. We desire God, but we need devotion to God as the greatest, the highest, the most of what we need more than anything. And the purpose of prayer is going, God, I need you. I need you. Look what, look what scripture says about the New Testament church when it first started in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And all the believers, everybody help me. They what? Devoted they devoted themselves. Notice that the pastor didn't devote to them. It wasn't the priest and the pastor's job to just be devoted to the church. It was the people's job to be devoted to God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals together, including communion in the Lord's Supper and to prayer. They devoted themselves to this. And devotion is not about, when you think about it, devotion is not duty. Duty is a have to. I mean, no, devotion is a want to. When you first started dating your wife, that was devotion. You know, you're doing things you wouldn't normally do. You're like, why am I on the phone? I hate the phone. Because you're devoted. Why am I spending all this money? Because you're devoted. And when you're devoted, you do things you want to do, not have to do. And this is where the religion side gets all messy with prayer because it's like, I have to. Well, if it's a have to, that would be like your kids coming to you going like, I have to be with you. God, just got to be with you. What are you doing here? I don't know. Just got to be with you. Is it over yet? Is it over? Come on. Like, like, and that's how we think God, like, how we think he is when it comes to, like, church attendance. I showed up. What time's lunch, God? Can we, can we check? Like, can we roll out? Like, it ain't duty. It's devotion. Like, I want to. I desire to, and the greatest danger, here's the greatest danger. The greatest danger is people who want to be like Jesus, but have no desire to spend time with Jesus. I want to be like him. I want to be patient like him. I want to be loving like him. I want to be graceful like him. I want to be forgiving like him. Oh, well, you probably need to spend time with him. No, I don't want to do that. Hey, you need to get up early and maybe let's have some early morning prayer. Nah, I don't want to do that. You, you got to understand the purpose of this is, is, is to not to notify God of your needs. Hey, last time I checked, Scripture says he knows it before you even ask for it. But here's what I learned. If I will just express my dependency on him and just express my love to just be with him, here's the beauty of it. It's much like parenting. I mean, no, when your kids want to come and be with you just to be with you, you'll do anything for them. What, what do you want? I don't want anything. I just want you. Okay, what do you want? <laughs> like, <laughs> You want to go get ice cream? You want to go? Like, I was with my son the other day, one of, one of my sons, and like we were just hanging out, and I picked him up from school. We're having a good time, and we're just, he's talking to me, and we're talking to him, and we're just going back and forth. And I'm like, you want an icy? And he's like, yes, I do. I'm like, okay, let's go. We can get ices. So it's, it's, all about, it's all about understanding purpose. Here's number two. You got to make it a priority. Anything in your life that you really want to be a habit, it's got to be a priority which means it's got to trump other things. 
Scripture tells us that Daniel didn't pray once a day or twice a day. He prayed three times a day. He didn't just pray when it was an emergency. He didn't just pray when it was convenient. He prayed three times a day. Yet again, you're like, oh, that's super re- you know, religious and legalistic. And he, he had to do three times a day and all that stuff. But man, if you do it for 80 years, it's not legalistic. You got something there. There's a devotion that's there. Now, let's be very transparent here. This is a, this is a, a very honest, transparent church. Or at least I am. Okay, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get all of us to be. How many of you struggle with being consistent? Raise your hand. Just like you struggle with being consistent. Like the only thing you're consistent with is consistently late. Like that's like you're, <laughs> anybody consistently putting your foot in your mouth? Anybody like, no? okay. Yeah, like we, like, listen, I, I, I'll be as transparent. I am not the most consistent. I told you all last week, I'm not the most disciplined person there is. Like Lindsay's 100% way more disciplined than I am. Like I've got to like really I've got to get after some stuff to really get discipline in my life. And, and so you see this thing about Daniel. He's just incredibly super consistent. But I've realized this, that great people do consistently what other people do occasionally. People who want to be mightily used by God do consistently what other people just do occasionally. And then we wonder why this person gets elevated to a place is because they did consistently what you can only do occasionally. And if we could just realize we've got to make some things really priorities in our life, it would switch and change some things that are big. So I want to ask this question. This is a big question. And it's going to require a little bit of introspection. And that is, is your life with God dependent on habits or habitat. Now let me unpack this for a moment. Is your life with God dependent on on biblical habits or is it dependent on a spiritual habitat? There are many Christians that their spiritual walk with God is dependent on a Sunday morning. Dependent. I, like, when I hear people say this, man, I got to hurry up. I got to get to church on Sunday, man. I need me some Jesus. This is what that tells me. One, I'm excited you want to be in church. But what it tells me is you have a faulty understanding of the fact that you can only get church on a Sunday in church than you can every day with Jesus in your own life. And, and, and the where I saw this the most, this is where it was the most heartbreaking. I grieved more in this time than I think I ever have for our church was when COVID hit. When COVID hit and we had about a two or three month span where we could only, we could not meet in person. We had to do the whole online church and no one could meet in the, in, in the church. And, and not just in our church, but just the church around the, around the world and specifically more so around America and watching the amount of people that struggled in their walk with God and got super far with God only because they couldn't be in church. That struck a nerve with me. And so our team literally while that was going on and then coming out of that was like, what do we need to do as a church to ground our people so much that they're not dependent on a habitat, but they're dependent on their habits. How can we teach them to have a relationship with God, not just on Sunday, but Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday? Come on, right? It's got to be a priority. I I, want to give you a visual here. That would be like you saying, I'm only eating on Sundays. Get to Tuesday. Get to Monday afternoon. Literally, that's what it's like. Say, I'm only going to eat on Sundays, and then I'm going to wait till next Sunday to get some food. Hey, here's the deal. Truth is, you eat. And guess how many times you eat? At least three times a day. Three times a day. Why? Because it's a priority. It's a priority. Some of you are even thinking about it right now as I'm talking about it. You're thinking about, what am I eating after? Where are we going? What are we doing? Why? It's a priority. Watch this. Because you make time for things that are priorities. Make time for things that are priorities. So we've got to say, God, how can we make prayer a priority in my life? How do I do do that? How do I make that in my life? 
And the reason why that's so important is because when crisis comes, you'll do what you're in the habit of doing. When crisis comes, you'll do what you're in the habit of doing. And this is what we see with Jesus. In Luke 22, 39 through 41, and he came out and he went. This is speaking of Jesus. He's about to go to the cross, and it says he came out and he went, as was his habit, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw away, and he knelt down, and he Sounds like Daniel, doesn't it? At the moment, in the moment of his greatest, like he's about to experience the greatest pain he's ever experienced in his life. He just went and did what was his normal habit. I'm going to go, I'm going to go spend some time, and I'm going to pray. And this is what I've realized in serving God now for, well, over 20-something years, is that if you don't prioritize seeking God when it does matter, or excuse me, when it doesn't matter, you won't find him when it does matter. If you don't prioritize seeking God when it doesn't matter, when all of life is good and the checking account is fine, your relationships are good, and you're like, oh, you're on coast mode, I'm just coasting, I really don't need that. But then, but then when, the, when the job gets lost or the diagnosis comes or something happens and it's like, ah! and, and now, now I need to hear God, you won't be able to. And so you need to build into your normal rhythm of your life how do I hear from God every day? How do I spend time with God every day? How do I build this in my habit in the good days and in the low days, in the hard days, in the great days? Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Number three, you got to find a place. You got to find a place. Daniel 6.10, and he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. Matthew 6, 6, when Jesus was talking about prayer, this is actually when we get the Lord's Prayer, it came from Matthew 6. It says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret and sees in secret will reward you. And then let's look at Jesus. Let's just look at his patterns. Mark 1, 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and he went off to a solitary place and he prayed. There's something so powerful about the secret place. I want y'all to hear me. That's not necessarily meaning that it has to be a place. It can be. I know some people have like prayer closets and some people have like a, a room that they go to or a, a place on the couch that they go to or on the front porch or their back porch. Or, and those are all great. Those are all amazing. We see this in scripture. Jesus had kind of a routine place that he would go to at the Mount of Olives, a different place. I've got a place that I like to go and pray. I'm, I mean, that's all up to you. There's, there's no certain place it's got to be. And let me also just say what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if you're not in that place, God won't hear you. <laughs> I got to get in the place. I got to get in the place. Okay, God can hear you everywhere and anywhere at all times. But there is something that scripture is trying to show us here that what happens in the secret place gets revealed in the public place. And what happened in the public in Jesus's life came from his secret life. And we all want to be shown in the public, but I'm going to tell you this, whatever you habitually do secretly will eventually get revealed publicly for good or bad. Come on, somebody. Hey, how many of y'all know if somebody's been seeking Jesus in secret place for a long time and no one else saw it but Jesus and no one else connected with them but God, but it was just them and God, how many of know there's going to come a day where God's going to rise that person and everybody's going to notice that person's been with Jesus? That person has been with Jesus. But by the way, bad habits of things that are done in secret that you think nobody's watching, but God is watching, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it. How I many know that's also going to get revealed as well at some place? What happens in the secret place is such a huge place. We need to have a place where we connect with God. Number four, you need to have a plan. You need to have a plan. Luke 1, 11, uh, 11 1 through 2. Once Jesus was in a certain place, there we go. There it is again. Praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, watch this, said, Lord, teach us to preach. Oh, don't say that. Lord, teach us to cast out demons. Hey, you know what? Teach us 
to raise the dead. Or more than anything, I want to know, Lord, teach me how to walk on water. I want to know that. I want to know that. That'd be a cool at a birthday party. Just like watch this, y'all. All right. They don't ask for any of those things. The only time in scripture we see that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them was to pray. And so just as John taught his disciples, and so Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Now, we know that immediately following this is what we know as, anybody? The Lord's Prayer. Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, we know that. And what ends up happening is, is we read that prayer now, we hear that prayer, and we think, okay, prayer is, I just got to keep repeating that over and over and over and over and over and over again. That is how you pray. This is what Jesus said. This is how you pray. No, no, I want you to hear me when you read that scripture, what Jesus is doing is he's not just teaching them just what to pray, he's telling them how to pray. That there's something that Jesus is trying to convey to them, not just the words that are being said, but how you go about it. So when everybody walked in this morning, you should have gotten a card that looks something like this. If you got it, wave it at me. If you got it, wave, wave it at me. Let me see you, everybody. Okay. All right. If you're online, um, sorry. So <laughs> this is the bonus of being in person. So uh, find someone here and tell them to take a picture and send it to you. Okay. Can you read it? <laughs> like, okay. So um, this, is, uh, this is a tool I had our team put a a resource together to help teach you how to pray. On the left side, it actually has the Lord's Prayer. You'll see on both sides, it has the Lord's Prayer. But you're going to notice that each of these is connected to how we pray. So like our Father who art in heaven isn't just what we should say. It's, It's about connecting with God relationally, understanding he's a father. Underneath all of these, we've got scriptures that go with it. We've got things, uh, ways that you can pray with, within all that. And, and I want everybody here, I want everybody to look at me. I want everybody here to grab one of these. Like if your spouse grabbed one and you didn't, go grab one, okay? And here's why. Because I want you, I want you to put this in your Bible. I want you to put this in your, in your notes that you got right there. I want you to put, wherever you go spend time with God, I want you to put this there. Because here's what's going to happen. Over the next six days... We're going to walk you through all six of these. So if you want to know what's going to happen on early morning Zoom, here you go. You got the template. And we're going to walk you through how you pray through the Lord's Prayer and not just, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, which is what a lot of people do. Yes? But there's actually something bigger to it. There's nothing wrong with praying that prayer, but if we're not careful, we can think it's in the words and not in the hearts. Y'all with me? And so what God's trying to do is he's trying to give us a plan on how to do it. And I got one more thing that I want to say that just makes this even better. We made it for your kids. So your kids have the Lord's Prayer all in here with, with coloring pages and things that they can teach them on how they can pray. So all of the elementary, this is specifically, I think, first through fifth grade, we'll get one of these. Um, if we need to order more, we'll order more. But I know for sure all elementary is getting these. On the back, on the back it's got prayers for my family. I mean, like, I mean, we want to teach our kids how to do this. We need to teach our kids how to connect with God. So um, yet again, we're going we're gonna to continue to build out these resources. I made sure they didn't put anything about Seek Week on these because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have them make more and more of these so you can continue to give more and more of these away. All right? So this is throughout the year to help people on prayer, help kids on prayer. This has nothing to do with just Seek Week. This happens just how do we build a habit of prayer in our church? Let me give you another one. If you like digital, I know I got to hurry. I got to be done. If you like digital, I'm a paper and a digital guy. I paper read my Bible. I paper journal. I do all that, but I also do digital things. I keep track. I've told you many times. I keep track of prayer requests in in a digital app that oftentimes on Sundays when y'all come and talk to me and, Pastor Josh, can you pray for me? I will often pull out my phone and do it. So if you ever see me on my phone, it's because normally, most of the time, I'm writing down different prayer requests or thoughts that I have with different people in here. And so there is an app. I'm just going to give you an app. There's an app called Pray First. If you haven't downloaded it, go do it. It's an amazing app 
built, uh, built out by a church. It's got the Lord's Prayer. So hey, there we go. For all those that are online, get the Pray First app. You'll have, you'll have this and you'll have this. Uh, that's in there, and um, it's, got, it's got incredible resources when it comes to prayer, different ways that you can pray, and it's got a prayer needs thing that's on there. It's got a prayer list that's on here. Uh, just like if you open my prayer list, there's a lot of you that are on my prayer list right now, uh, and you want to know why you're on it? It's none of your business, and so <laughs> that's for me and God, okay? Maybe we'll find out later why you're on it, but you'll see. I also call it my hit list, and so... Uh, <laughs> All right, number five, we got we to wrap up. Number five, um, experience the power. How do we build out prayer to be a holy habit? You need to understand the purpose. You need to make it a priority. You got to find a place. You need to have a plan. And you need to experience the power. If you go and you read the rest of the story, I'll just, I'll, I'll save you the time of reading it all. We just don't have the time there, but... These men, as you read, they bust up into Daniel's house like the SWAT team. We got him praying. They dragged Daniel off to King Darius and said, we did it. We, look, he was, he was praying to someone other than you. You know what you need to do. And the Bible says King Darius is so grieved because that, like, that's his top dude. That's the guy he was planning on giving everything of rulership to. But he knows that he issued the decree, and he knows that he's got to do what he said he was going to do. He's got to be a man of his word. So if you know the story, of course, he throws them into the lion's den. I want you to see what happens. Daniel chapter 6, let's fast forward. We'll read these last four verses, and we will close out for the day. It says in Daniel chapter 6, it says, um, yeah, let's go back. Let's go back. Can we go back before that? There we go. Thank you. It says, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the den, he called to Dan Daniel in an anguished voice. Danny, are you okay? Are you okay, Dan? I'm joking. <laughs> Just kidding. I had to. I had to. I mean, it was like a... Y'all know what I mean? Like, it's like, a, it's like set up on a tee. I mean, it's like, okay. <coughs> You've been living. Okay, no, anyways. So, <laughs> Daniel, sir. <laughs> yes, I am the real pastor. I will be back next week as well. All right. Daniel, servant of the living God. Now, watch this. Watch this. Has your God, read this, whom you serve continually? Like, think about how amazing it is that a pagan king notices who you love. That you're so bold and public with your faith that the king takes notice. Man, I've been knowing Daniel for 70 years. Daniel, did that, is that God that you've been serving continually? Talk about priority and consistency. It, it, it is, did, what did he do? Look, go to the next verse. It says, was, was he able to rescue you from the lions? I just think about that moment where he issues that question. And what his heart feels whenever Daniel says, may the king live forever. My God sent his angels and he shut the mouths of the, of the lions and they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. Notice honor to the king of kings and honor to the king. By the way, you know you can honor God and honor those who lead you. Watch this. Even if the leader is not godly, ungodly king. And yet, man, had honor for God, honor for the king. He says, man, I haven't even done anything wrong before you, majesty. And the king was overjoyed, and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was ever found on him because he had trusted in his God. You know what strikes me about this story? 
The satraps and administrators, while he was in the, in the lion's den, were celebrating. The king was worrying. I'm sure Daniel's friends were praying. And the angel was working overtime. But you know what about Daniel? A brother was sleeping. Like, he was fine. And you know why? Because he trusted in his God. Now listen to me. Daniel didn't learn to trust God in the lion's den. Daniel learned to trust God in the prayer closet. Daniel learned to trust God in the secret place. And that's what allowed him to trust God in the public place. And some of us wonder if we can really trust God when everything comes at us. And the truth is, is because we haven't allowed God to meet us in the secret place. If you'll do little things like they're big things, God can do big things like they're little things. So I want to end today and I want to pray for those that are in this house. And, and you would love to see this habit grow in your life even more. But I, I want to pray specifically even for those that are here. And you've got a big thing going on right now. I just, man, it's just been, it felt like, a, it has felt like a crushing weight of things. I don't know what it is, but there's been something that's been so heavy for you as of lately. And I want us today, as we end this message, to put this message into practice. And I want us to do the little thing that seems like a little thing that's actually a big thing that allows the big thing for God to really be a little thing. And that is to pray over this house. So if you're here in this room, or if you're watching online as well, and there's just something that's been heavy on you, man, you're believing for something big, just something that's going on, I want you to stand all across this room. If that's you, go ahead. It could be something mental, something relational, something financial. It could be spiritual, but it's just something that's, it's just been big. Would you just, right there where you are, just stand, just stand. Now, if you are seated, I would love for you just to stretch your hands towards those. You can get up out of your seat. Come on, we're going we're gonna to actually put this into practice and believe that prayer changes things. If you're there online, man, just let me know, hey, say that's me. You can just raise a hand. Our team will pray with you right now. So, Father, Lord, we just love you. We love you. We love you. God, we just begin our day today with just uh, getting our eyes off of ourselves, our needs, our pressures. And God, we just focus on you. We are dependent on you. And Lord, with every person that's standing today, Lord, you know what's going on in their heart. You know what's going on, Lord, in their, in their relationships. You know, what, you know the heaviness that they're carrying right now. And I am so grateful that your word tells us to cast our cares upon you for you care for us. So right now, God, we just cast these upon you. We give these to you. Lord, just as Daniel modeled to us, just as Jesus modeled to us, that in the moment of intense pressure, that they prayed first. They came to you and they prayed and they trusted. So God, we do that in this moment. Lord, we pray and we trust and we pray and we trust and we pray and we trust until you take what is a little thing, Lord, that we do and you make it a big thing. God, we just believe right now for miracles. I pray right now as we come into this seek week, Lord, I thank you that just as much as we're seeking after you, you're seeking after us. You're coming after us. Lord, you're coming after our hearts. Lord, you're coming after our minds. God, seek us. Lord, your word says if we would draw near to you, you draw near to us. So may this week be a week where we devote ourselves to seeking you first, your kingdom, your righteousness, your glory, your honor, your face. And in that secret place all throughout this week, I pray that you would meet your children right where they're at. Would you speak to them? God, may your voice be the loudest voice we hear. God, we just trust in you. Lord, we, we partner with what heaven says 
over our family. We partner with what heaven says over our marriages. We partner with what heaven says over our souls. We partner with what heaven says over our cities here. God, and we speak that over that in Jesus' name. God, we thank you today. Now, I pray your blessings over your people. I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. And God, help us to be consistent in prioritizing that we would be people of prayer, that we would seek you first before anything else. We love you today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen.